We're going to go to the book of Acts, chapter 19, starting at verse 11. And God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul, so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out from them. Sounds like an awesome thing. The certain vagabond Jews were there, exorcists, they they took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus. Like they practiced some spirituality, but never in the name of Jesus or in relationship with Jesus. And so they want to play a little church. And so they pray this little prayer and say, we adjure you or we address you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. The name of Jesus is not just some magical formula, though there is power in the name of Jesus. It's more than just saying the name. It's faith in that name and faithfulness to that name. And in verse 14, we read that there were seven sons of one Sceva, a Jew and chief of the priests, which did so. So there's seven sons that are praying this prayer over this demon possessed person. And the Bible says the evil spirit answered or replied back to them. This is not a game. This is not just some sort of figment of imagination. This is not some mythological thing we are a part of. This is real. The church is real. The spirit world is very real. And so that evil speaks back to those seven sons of Sceva. And they say this, Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. But who are you? And the man that had that evil spirit, the man that was full of the devil, was leaped on them and overcame them. The devil came out of the demon-possessed guy and went into those seven sons of Sceva and prevailed against them. They fled out of that house naked and wounded. I'm not going to preach very long. I want to talk to you about The day the devil got seven new suits. The day the devil got seven new suits. Let's ask God to talk to us for these next few moments. Jesus, I thank you so much for the opportunity, the privilege, the honor to be here, God, and to preach your name, Lord, and to feel your presence. And I ask in the name of Jesus, Lord, that your will would be done, not by my might, not by my power, but by your spirit. And somebody say in Jesus' name, amen. The day... The devil got seven new suits. We read here in this story of this demon-possessed individual and these seven people that wanted to kind of play around in the spirit. And, uh, you know, us in our flesh on our best day will lose to evil every time. No matter how powerful of a will that you have, without God, we can do nothing. We cannot prevail against the devil and you can say well i'm not demon possessed or anything like that and and so fine i agree with you there but sin does possess or reign in our mortal bodies and good behavior does not make sin disappear there is a cause and effect from sin and the wages of sin is death but the gift of uh, god is eternal life through jesus christ our lord and this day the devil got a bargain He's basically inhabiting one person, but seven other people come along to to mess around, and he finds himself 
seven brand new suits that he gets to wear. He possesses seven other people and messes them up. I don't know about you, but I like a good bargain. I'm a bargain guy. I was raised that way by my mom. My mom came from a very poor family, and uh, I love my abuelita, and I, I like going to her house and getting food, but uh, I, I like my fa- mom's food a little better because, you know, thank God my, my mom kind of overcame poverty, but my, my, my Mexican grandma, she still cooks like she's in poverty. And so, like, those frijoles are the wettest frijoles you'll ever have. Because she tries to stretch those beans out as far as possible. And so I, I love her authentic cooking, but it's, it's poor style. Uh, and because she had to raise 12 kids in poverty. And so my mom always would be looking for a bargain. She does that to this day. And so that's kind of in my blood. And I, uh, I remember one time, you know, I needed to get a, a laptop for work. And, and uh, everybody was kind of into this Apple phase. Everybody's, you know, getting a MacBook and they were the white plastic ones at the time. And, and I thought it was stupid. I thought everyone's just kind of like into this fad, but I, I decided, you know what, maybe I'll experiment with a really old one that I can find on eBay. And I found this old MacBook, this old white plastic one on eBay. It was about like three inches thick and uh, weighed about 42 pounds. I can't remember, but it was an old one. It was, it was, uh, I don't matter how many models prior to the current model at that time and I got it for pretty cheap I mean it was maybe a hundred or two hundred bucks which could get you almost a brand new you know maybe a Dell laptop or PC and so I bought that and I started using it and it was interesting it outlasted any PC product that I ever owned and it was old and it was used and so I, I just kind of made my mind, maybe the next one I'll, I'll try to get a newer model of a Mac. And so with this deal bargain that I got uh, two years later, I sold that on eBay, and I got like four or $500 for it. So I got it cheap, and then I made money on it, and I was able to buy a used one off the Internet again, and I only had to pull $100 out of my pocket that time. And that's just kind of how I've maintained my MacBook habit, and it was all from a seed faith offering in this old used MacBook. I like a good bargain. Another bargain I got was someone was throwing away an espresso machine. And this espresso machine, I knew it was a, a uh, $500 espresso machine. And so I asked them, you know, hey, can I, can I mess around with it, see if I can fix it? And they said, yeah, you can have it. And so I, I started doing some research online with the prom, and I found the piece uh, of what potentially the prom could be. And for $30, I repaired this espresso machine for uh, a great bargain, a great deal. And now I have this $500 machine for 30 bucks. I like a good bargain. And the devil himself got a bargain that day. He was occupying one person, but at the end of their people playing church and prayer, they had now seven more added to his kingdom at this point. I don't know if you ever let someone borrow something of yours and uh, they, they don't, they don't uh, return it uh, maybe in the state in which you gave it to them. You know, if you've ever lent something out to somebody in good faith that they are going to take care of it, they're going to treat it nice. And I meant to have some pictures up, but I forgot. But if you've ever lent something to somebody and they return it back to you and it's dirty, it's cracked, it's marred. Anyone have, you know, an experience like that? And you just kind of look at me like, you know, 
you could just, you could have that. You know, it's, it's, it's my gift to you. Because you don't want that used handkerchief back. You don't want that CD that you gave them to borrow so they can maybe, you know, listen to some good music. And they come back and it looks like they gave it to the cat and he had it in the litter box just scraping away at it as some sort of claw toy. And now the CD doesn't even work anymore. There's some people I've just kind of learned not to lend things out to them. They return the item they borrowed from you and it was damaged. It was destroyed. It, it smelled But the devil is kind of like one of those bad friends. He will not leave you as he found you. You were not in a perfect state when he found you. But probably after he's through with you, you're not better off than when he found you and used you as just some sort of kind of suit or material. When he's through with you, you're going to be in worse condition than when he borrowed you. You look at these seven sons of Sceva that were possessed. The Bible shows us the unfolding of what happens when the devil got a hold of them. Notice the devil at first, the Bible says, prevail against them. The devil promises a bag of goods that, you know, he'll be for us or he'll help us or give us prosperity. He tried to barter with Jesus saying, Jesus, I'll give you a pretty good deal. If you would just bow before me, I'll give you all these kingdoms. Why don't you just kind of cut a deal with me? But the Bible says that these seven sons of Sceva, the devil didn't prevail for them. He prevailed against them. Next, the Bible says they fled. The devil will cause you to be on the run. You think you got life, you know, by the horns. You think you're in control. But you let the devil get control of your life before long. You're going to be the one on the run. You're going to be the one retreating. You're going to be the one ruled by fear. The next thing the Bible says happens to them that they went out from the house. The devil may promise you a pretty good bargain, but he's going to get you out of the house where the name of Jesus is. You know, the safest place we can be is in this strong tower. The name of the Lord is that strong tower. He gives us peace. He gives us comfort that surpasses all of our understanding. But when you let the devil use you and you play with this spirit stuff, all of a sudden you find yourself now being used by the devil. You're worse than what you were. And now you are out of the house of God. I don't know about you, but I don't want anything to come into my life that would prevent me from being in the house of God. And then the Bible says after that, they fled out of the house of God. They were naked. The devil will take this shirt right off your back. You might start off with a devil full and clothed, but and the result, the end of the game, you will be empty. You will be naked. You will be without what you had. You may be on the top of the tier or the ream of a ladder, but the devil will take the shirt right off your back. And then finally, the end result, the Bible says after they were naked, they were left wounded. The devil's not here to help anybody today. The devil's only here to wound people. He's only here to hurt people. He's here only just to kind of do what Jesus said, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He's not here to bless you. He's not here to help you. He's not here to turn your life into the better, but he is going to steal. He is a liar, and he is the father of it. I'm thankful that I found someone called Jesus who's not 
not into my life trying to steal things from me and kill me and to destroy me. The Bible says in the book of Luke chapter 11 and verse 24, when an unclean spirit comes out of a man, he walks through dry places. He seeks rest. He finds none. And he finally says, you know what? I'm going to go back to where I came out. And he finds that place. Now, remember, a devil, a spirit does not die. You can cast out demons. You can get things out of your life. But that spirit does not die. It lives on. And so that spirit came back and he found the person he came out of. And it says he found that person that abode that house swept and garnished. Literally, it was clean and in order. It was structured and organized. That's what the result is when you get sin out of your life. When you get evil out of your life, you can get things cleaned up and you can get them set in order. But here the Bible says when he saw that, he found seven other spirits more wicked than him because the place was empty. And so the end result of that man was worse than the first. At all costs, you have to get that unclean, evil spirit out of you. But realize the devil's not going to stop bothering you. He's not going to stop attacking you. And notice the condition of the person. If we're not careful, we can come to church. We can have a powerful repentance experience. We can have a powerful baptism experience. But And, and, and we can now be, you know, we swept and garnished. But the worst state of that person was that they were still empty. I don't want God to just do part of the job. I don't want him to be a weekend maid that just kind of comes and cleans up my life. I want to be full of the Holy Ghost. I want the Spirit of God to let my cup run over. Jesus, help us today. Jesus, help us today. I've seen a lot of good people that, you know, they came messed up. They had that evil in them, and they laid it on this altar, and they went home, and they got things swept. They got things garnished. They look Pentecostal. They look apostolic. They look better than what they were before. But you got to be full of the Holy Ghost because that spirit's going to come back around, and he's going to look into your heart saying, I don't see Jesus there. I don't see any fruit of the Spirit there. I don't see any gifts of the spirit there there's still room for me and so the bible says that he gathered seven worse spirits than himself and they threw a party that day and the end result of that man was worse than what it was prior at the beginning the devil and the lord the lesson that we see here will not leave you as they found you doesn't matter if it's the devil or the lord Whichever one you allow in your life will not leave you as they found you. The devil, you know, he, he, he sees you as you are, but he's just going to make destruction and chaos out of your house. The Lord, when he sees you, he's going to clean the house. He's going to order the house. He's going to structure the house. He's going to bless the house. But which do you prefer? Because then when we see a transfer of ownership again, after we see the cause and effect of repentance in this person's life and the devil being kicked out, that devil came back around and says, I'll just reoccupy here because there's no one else living here. And when the devil got back in, everything that was together fell apart all over again. And it was worse than it was before. Which do you prefer to occupy your heart? In Luke chapter 22, verses 2 through 6, the chief priests and the scribes sought how they can kill Jesus. 
but they feared the people, so they were trying to do some some uh, uh, tactics, some things covert in the night. How can we make this happen? The Bible says, then entered Satan into Judas. So Judas is now possessed by Satan, and, and he goes his way, and he's, he, he starts talking to the chief priests and the captains, seeing how he can betray Jesus. And they were so glad that they had this, and so they guarantee some money to him. They say, hey, I'll, I'll give you a bargain. I'll give you a pretty good deal. Here's 30 pieces of silver. And he promised, Judas promised, and he sought opportunity to betray Jesus unto them in the absence of the multitude. Now, this story here, this occasion in Scripture, this is not an ordinary devil that enters into Judas. This is Satan himself. Sometimes we we, will name drop Satan about doing things in our lives, but uh, Satan is usually he's 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 meddling in some like people that are a serious threat to the kingdom of God. You know, he's but he has his imps and his demons that kind of do all just the side jobs and the the lower level, you know, uh, tasks. And but here Satan himself enters into Judas and then, you know, my question that I, I have here when I read this scripture, you see that phrase, then Satan entered him. I mean, what did Judas do that opened the door that kind of way that then Satan could enter into him? The devil will get you to believe sin is an opportunity because Judas, the Bible says, he saw opportunity to betray Jesus. Anytime we see sin as an opportunity, we are in the snare of the devil. Sin is not an opportunity. Sin is an occasion. It's not an opportunity. It's See, the devil paints sin as an opportunity, as something that is good. But Paul said it like this in Romans 7, 13. We need to make sin appear to be sin. We need to make sin look like sin. No matter how good of a bargain the devil makes sin look it still is not an opportunity it's just an occasion to be trapped and to fall into the hands of the enemy we want sin to look like i thank god for a preacher that can make sin look like sin that can just kind of remove the mask remove the sugar coat and say hey the word of the lord says this is sin i know the world calls it an alternative lifestyle but the bible calls it sin i know that the world calls it pleasure but it's still sin i need god to speak plain to me we ought to be thankful when god's word is rightly divided and says this is not an opportunity this is an occasion for the devil to destroy your life can we call on the name of jesus right now can we ask jesus to speak to us to unplug our ears come on would you pray with me right now jesus would you unplug my ears to hear what the spirit is saying i don't want to see and see not i don't want to hear and hear not but god i pray you give somebody understanding lord this world is not an opportunity this world is not my home i will not give it the occasion Let's clap our hands to the Lord. It was that day the devil himself got a new suit. He saw Judas, and there was a covenant made, an agreement for money. And the devil, Satan himself, got a new suit. He made Judas feel like one in a million, but really Judas was just one of a million. The devil will make you feel so good about whatever it is he's offering you as an opportunity. 
He wants you to think, well, you're one in a million. You're something special, but you're just one of a million. Don't let him make a suit out of you. Later in that chapter, in verse 47, Judas approaches Jesus. And as he approaches Jesus, he gives him a kiss, a greeting. And Jesus looks at him and says, Judas, you chose to betray me with a kiss, with adoration, with some sort of affection, with some sort of embrace, with some sort of, uh, uh, you know, outward expression of praise, outward expression of gratitude. Judas, so close to Jesus. I mean, he made it into the team of 12. You know, when, when Jesus, Jesus went out away from the multitude of disciples, there's so many followers of Jesus, and he goes out and he, he prays and he fasts. And when he comes back, then he chooses of all the disciples, 12 that made the cut. Judas was one of the elite. See, Judas was not the same after Jesus found him. But like that parable Jesus gave, you could be swept and garnished, and you could look like you're a part of the team, but you're really just walking empty. And if you walk empty, that evil spirit can come back, and it will be a worse result than it was before. Jesus didn't leave Judas as he found him, but somehow Judas saw sin as an opportunity. And when you read the conclusion of the state of Judas, when he betrays Jesus, he, he, he has his guilt just come over him, and he goes to return the money, the bargain that he was given by the chief priest. And, and he says, look, I, I messed up. I've done wrong. I've, I've betrayed innocent blood. And they say, well, too bad, so sad. You, 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 that's your problem. You deal with it. And so Judas threw that money down. The thing that seemed like an opportunity, the thing that seemed like a big deal, was not anything to him in that moment. The very thing he betrayed Jesus over, he just says, this is nothing. And that everything that we've, all the time, the money, the energy, the effort, the sacrifices we've made for satisfaction in this world, you will be confronted head on and realize this really is nothing. This means nothing to me. And I hope at that point it's not too late. And Judas still had breath in his lungs, and he did not have to, you know, quit there. If he would have just hung on for three more days, he could have been blessed like Peter three days later and found a resurrected Messiah. But see, when the devil is done using you, the Bible says Judas hung himself. When he's done using you as a suit to suit his needs, he'll leave you to hang out and dry. He doesn't, he, when he's through with you, he just, he could care less and just leave you on a coat rack hanging. And that's all Judas was, was just a vessel hanging dead from his sins, dead from that bargain he thought was such a good deal. The devil will find you in your sin state of mint condition, but then even more so depreciate your value till you have no value whatsoever. Judas hung himself. See, the devil was there with him, but when the devil was done using him as a suit, Judas hung himself. It wasn't Satan that hung him. Judas hung himself. I'm telling the devil will try to pair up with you and seem like you're a dynamic duo. Sin will try to join itself to you and seem like you're a great team and a great pair. But when it's done and through with you, you're going to hang yourself. He's not going to be there to cut the cord so you can survive and get that off your neck. He'll leave you all by yourself. But we have a Savior named Jesus who's Emmanuel, God with us. He won't leave you to yourself. He'll stay with you. And lo, I am with you even to the ends of the earth. 
See, when God finds us, he sees us in our birth. He sees our condition. He sees how we were left to die. As it says in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 16, verses 4 through 10, we are in a miserable state. And no one would even pity us. No one would even care about us. No one would have compassion upon us. We were cast out in the field, left to die. But one day, I'm so thankful that Jesus passed by. In verse 6, God passed by. He saw us pollute in our own blood and I he saw that us in our blood and he said live he saw us in our blood and he said live he'll repeat himself as many times as he needs to till you can hear his voice I'm thankful that he's still calling I'm thankful I can hear him say live 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 I'm thankful that we caught that sound from his voice and the Bible says he caused that person to multiply in to bud and to grow. I'm thankful God didn't leave me like he found me. The Bible says in verse 7, when he found us, we were naked and bare. And in verse 8, as he passed by, he looked upon us and it was a time of love and he put clothing over us and he covered our nakedness. He covered our shame and he brought us into covenant with him. In verse 9, then he washed us with water and he thoroughly washed away the blood that we were guilty of and he anointed us with oil, and he clothed us with a special clothing. He put certain skins on us. He covered us with not just some sort of a sackcloth and ash, but he put silk on us. God clothed us. Man, we were so messed up. We were in our state left to die all by ourselves. But I'm thankful that God passed by, and he said, live. And he says, you know, I can wash you with the water in my name, and my blood will wash you all those stains. I'm thankful that he clothed me. I'm thankful that he put me into the church. I'm thankful that he made me a part of the bride. I'm thankful that Jesus passed by my way and he's walking through this place right now. If you feel like you're lost and you're hurt, there is a God in this place named Jesus crying out to you saying, live, live. Would you reach out to Jesus, somebody? Would you reach out to the one walking by you and hear that voice and get him by the hand because he wants to give you life. He wants to give you life. He won't let you hang by yourself. He won't let you hang yourself. He'll cut that cord. He'll make sure you have life. See, God finds us in a junkyard, but he says, I can refurbish this. I can restore this better yet. I could... I can renew it. I can give it remission. The devil will wear you out, but God will place you where you want to be. The devil will depreciate your value, but God will give us what we didn't have. And that's value. We know Isaiah 61, 3 and 4, that God appoints to those that mourn in Zion to give them beauty for ashes, oil of joy for mourning, a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. So we can be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And they build the, and we'll be able to be people that we were a waste place, but now we'll build old waste. 
You know, we were in desolation, but we're going to raise up those that are in desolation. You know, we were a waste city, but now we're going to repair waste cities. We're going to repair Watertown. We were lost in Watertown, but now God found us, and we're going to repair Watertown. We're going to restore it. And not just our life, but the Bible says generations. We're not just serving God for ourselves. We're building a church in Watertown for generations. That's why it was awesome this past Wednesday as we had that graduation ceremony of those 50 kids. We're repairing this city for the generations that are coming. We're going to have 50 of those kids here on a Sunday who are going to be young adults, who are going to be the next church planner, who's going to be the next missionary. We're not wasting our time. We were a waste, but now we're building up generations. Oh, I wish someone would get excited to know, God, you've saved my generation so I can reach the next generation. Come on, let's rejoice. Let's rejoice. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, the devil, that day he got seven new suits. But God wants to give us a suit. He says, the devil will use you as a piece of skin, but I'm telling you, I'll cover your skin with a garment of praise. You're living in mourning, but I'm going to give you a garment. I'm going to give you a covering. In Luke 15, 16, I'm just about done. Last portion of scripture, verses 16 through 24. He would fain have filled his belly with the husk of the swine did eat. Here is the story of the prodigal son that left the father's house. Remember those seven sons of Sceva? Where they end up doing, they left the house. That's, that's, that's why the devil wants to get in your head. That's why he wants to get in your heart. That's why he wants to get in, into your life. Is because he wants you to leave the house. But the house is the safest place you could be. Because though there was some false practice in that house, Paul was in that house. And Paul had authority over the devil. The worst thing you can do is leave the place where someone has authority over the devil. Where someone has a walk with God. I want to stay as close. I may mess up. I may fall. I may make some mistakes. But I can't cut off those that have a walk with God. I can't cut off those that can help me. But the devil, he'll do everything he can to get you out of that house, to get you on that retreat. And the Bible says when that prodigal son left the father's house and got all that inheritance, it seemed like a pretty good deal. I got all this money, and now I got liberty. And that's what this world and, and religious order would like to present to this, these regions, these areas, is that, you know, you know if, you, if you leave that house, you'll have liberty to do whatever. You have riches. And so he, he got his newfound liberty and he left the house. But now he spent through all of it. It's all gone. He hung out with all his friends, all his prostitutes, all his sexual relationships, all his hard parties. He did all of it. Everything you could experience and taste of this world. But the Bible says, while he was there in the pig's pen, eating pig's food, no man gave to him. Where's his friends? The ones that he gave a, you know, part of his money to. See, when he was out of money, they didn't give him nothing. That's this world. When you're out, they're out. When, 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 they, when they're through with their use of you... Usually it's just some cheap suit. They'll move on to the next suit. They'll move on to the next suite. 
They'll move on to the next place. They'll move on to the next person. But the Bible says to thank God that he came to himself. The light bulb came on. And he says, you know what? I'm not deserving to go back to my father's house, but my servants eat better than this. My father's servants eat better than this. I'll just go back and say, I'm not worthy to be a son. I'll just be one of the servants. All I ask is that I could be in the proximity of my father's house. I'll serve. I'll do whatever I can. And so when he arose and went back and to go to his father's house, the Bible says, though he was a great way off, his father saw him. No matter how far you get from God, he still sees you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. However far you think some eagle has some great vision, I'm telling you the father can see you from a great distance. He still sees you. His eye is on the sparrow and his eye is watching you right now. I'm thankful that God, his focus is on me. He's looking at me right now and he's reaching and he's calling and he comes back to the father. The Bible says that that father begins to embrace him and gives him a hug and gives him a kiss and begins to fall on his neck and weep and cry and rejoice with him. And the Bible says, the son said, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy to be called your son. I've sinned against you. And look at the father. The father says, bring forth the best robe and put it on him. See, the devil wants to use you as a suit. But God says, I got I got a robe for you. I got a covering for you. I'm not going to use you like the devil uses you. I'm not going to possess you like the devil possesses you. When, when someone's demon possessed, they, they're, they're out of control. They have no control. But when you let God possess or live and abide inside you, the Bible says in the book of Corinthians, the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. You still have your own will, your own choice. But God lets you choose whether you want to be given unto the Lord and begin to see the fruit of the Lord in your life. I'm thankful that God's a gentleman. I'm thankful that God doesn't use me the way the world will use me or the way the devil would use me. Someone say amen. And so the Bible says that they put that robe on him and they put shoes on him. They put a ring on him and they kill that fatted calf and they begin to rejoice and be merry. And the father said, my son was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and he was found and they began to be merry. Let's stand together. Don't be a bargain for the devil. Don't be a suit for the devil. Now, the devil will use you as a suit, but God will give you a new suit. Better yet, God won't just give you a suit. He'll make, he'll make you a temple of the Holy Ghost. He'll make, see, the, the, that, that's the beauty. The devil just wants to use you, but the God says, I want to build something out of you. I want to make something out of you. That's what the power of the Holy Ghost inside this mortal body, inside this earthen vessel, this jar of clay. God wants to live inside of it and make it a temple, to make it a house of prayer, not a house of chaos and destruction, not a, a, a place of just, you know, depreciation and falling apart. But God can turn something beautiful into us. He takes, uh, uh, makes beauty out of ashes. God, I'm telling there's no bargain better than us being surrendered and 
wholly committed to God. I want us to make sure that we are not the fulfillment of that parable that Jesus gave. Because I'm looking at some folks, and I thank God that you've been swept and garnished, but don't remain empty. Do not remain empty. Because that same spirit can come back, and he'll try out your suit, and it will be too small. He'll, he'll, he'll just outlive it out and just mess it up and destroy it. He'll get seven spirits worse than himself. But I pray and I believe that in this place are people that are not just satisfied and being swept and garnished. And they don't want to be empty anymore. They want to be full of the Holy Ghost. Because it's the infilling of the Holy Ghost that prevents you from ever trying out the things of this world again. There's no occupancy for you devil. Sorry. There should be a sign on the outside of this temple. No vacancy. There's no room for sin. There's no room for the devil. There's no room for evil. There's no room for this world. And if that's you here today and you don't want to just be swept, if you're not swept and garnished and you'd like to be swept and garnished, meaning that you would like to be clean and you would like order in your world, I'm telling you this place called the altar, God will forgive sin and he'll remove that sin and he'll bring order and he'll bring a cleansing to your life. But don't stop there if that's all you've ever experienced because you'll still be empty and that spirit can come back. I want to be full of the Holy Ghost. I don't want to be full with wine wherein is excess. I want to be full of the spirit. This altar's open right now. If anyone would like to come forward and say, God, I want to be a house of prayer. God, I want to be a temple of the Holy Ghost. I'm not satisfied with just looking the part on the outside. Lord, sweat garnished but empty. I want to be full of the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody.